on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Orient Hour, coming to you live this evening from the Phoenix FM studios in Brentwood. On the controls tonight, we have Andy Gilson. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Grant. And our other panellist this evening is Mr. Richard Priest. How are you, Richard? Good, thank you, Grant. How are you, mate? Very good, thank you. Very good. Um, we're going to talk about Oxford, because that's our last game. Uh, Unfortunately, matters went against us. We lost 3-2, uh, but they're a good side, and they showed that on Saturday, I think. Uh, the Orient lineup uh, on Saturday was uh, Sol Brin in goal, and we had a back three of uh, Cooper, Happy, and Turns, with a midfield uh, five, so to speak, of James, Brown, El Mazzuni, Archibald, and up top we had Rule, Aaron Drinnen, and Piggott. As I say, we, we were 3-0 down within 48 minutes um, and it was an uphill task. It really was. We did well to fight back to make it 3-2 um, and if Happy's uh, header would have gone in rather than hit the post, it may well have turned out differently. But to be honest, the 3-2 scoreline did flatter us, in my opinion. Um, let's, let's go to uh, Matt Roper and hear what he has to say with regards to the Oxford game. Oxford at home. What a rather strange game, in my opinion. Started OK, and it was a first half that toed and froed. A bit like watching two boxers going at it toe-to-toe. And we were perhaps a little bit unlucky not to take the lead after two or three decent balls into our box failed to see us create or carve out a decent chance. The we-need-a-striker argument rearing its ugly head again. Oxford were pretty damn good going forward, and you could see why they were top two, despite their manager taking a trip down the M4 to join Bristol in the week leading up to the game. Their first goal came from an unlikely source in terms of an assist. Sol Brin, who for my money has been pretty solid this season and a decent replacement for Lawrence Figaro, decided to lay the opposing striker in with a perfectly weighted ball. One pass on, and we were one down. Playing out from the back... Let's file that under VAR and the Johnston's paint trophy and everything else that is wrong with football. 
Oxford doubled their lead right on half-time, and it meant the glorious and, as usual, perfect remembrance offering from Steve Jenkins and others was perhaps a little mooted, to say the least. Even pandemonium fanzine sales took a hit. They amounted to less people than you could fit in a phone box, as depressed fans buried their heads in burgers and pie and match. The general consensus as I walked around the ground, though, was that, yes, they're a good side, but let's not lie down here like we did against Pompey and roll over and have our tummies tickled. With Wellens not even out of the dressing room and several still finding their own seat, we witnessed a shocking playground-type bundle in our own area, and in the blink of an eye, 1,250 fans were going berserk in the away end, with most of those fans thinking, I might as well head back to the bar. But before they could even turn round to go towards the refreshment area, we had one back from a beautiful own goal from a Brentford low knee. Serves them right for 2014, if you ask me. It buoyed the crowd, and all of a sudden, and especially when Rule grabbed the second to bring the deficit to one, there was a bit of panic on the Oxford bench, a flurry of arms, subs being made, and we could have actually grabbed that equaliser. You could probably file this game under a heading fine margins. And actually, it wouldn't have been a shock to see us lose 6-4 in this one. Don't give them an easy ride for any of the goals. Dan ha- angles his effort an inch to the right. And we could have been looking at a point or even three, despite them definitely being superior for at least a third, if not half of the game. Credit where credit's due. Post-match, Gaffer Richie Wellens got it spot on for the umpteenth time, despite his fraudulent slip when mentioning Howard Webb that BBC London had to apologise for. You've got to love him, though, haven't you? He talked about the fight in the second half, something that we didn't do in the similar game to Portsmouth earlier in the season. And yet again, this is still a learning curve for us against established top eight sides. On that note, I had a brief conversation with everyone's favourite director, Matt Porter, that evening. And as sure as night follows day, Matt was spot on with his assessment overall. He said the way he saw it was that the top eight we learn from, the middle eight we strive to be competitive against, and the bottom eight we beat. A very simplistic but correct way to sum it all up, in my opinion. It won't, of course, pan out exactly like that. But let's say you win 16 games against the bottom eight, home and away. That gives you 48 points, which is only two wins from safety. Even when talking about the top eight, though, there's no reason not to think we can't be competitive against some of these sides, as Saturday showed. And we have shown that we can and will not just make up the numbers. But as I like to remind fans, this is a project that will take time. And the timescales and targets up to now have been met and likely exceeded. It's another international break this week, so it's time to recharge the batteries before what will be quite an emotional game against Lincoln next week. Let's just hope for the right result in that we bring three points to Derek Reynolds' family for what he certainly deserves. A final quick reminder... It's the Leighton Orient Fans Trust AGM this coming Thursday in the Supporters Club. And we've announced an absolutely superb guest for our Q&A. None other than Richie Wellens. Will he swear? Maybe. But he's with friends in the Supporters Club. Please come along and support us. It's a minimum pound to join. You can join online or on the door on the night. And it will be fantastic to see as many of you there as possible. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend off and up the mighty O's. 
Uh, thank you very much, Matt, for your uh, rant regarding the Oxford game. Um, going back to that game, um, the stats don't tell any lies sometimes. And we did only have one shot on target. Um, we had an own goal, with, which um, helped us along, but really we didn't threaten too much. Richard, what was your take on the game? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, Oxford, they're a good team. I, you know, I, my hope was raised when the fact that they, they lost their manager, you know, just three or four days before. Um, so I was kind of hoping that, you know, we'd catch them, you know, the, ma- the new manager. Ba- well, it's, it's a caretaker manager, so I don't think a lot of times when you have a caretaker, you don't get it. It's a coach that comes in that the players know and you don't always get a bounce there. And when I saw it was Craig Short, you know, he's a bit older as well, been around, I thought this might play into our favour a bit here, but um, it didn't really work that way at all. I mean, I've, I've got to be honest, I thought the, the, the team was wrong. I think Aaron Drinan coming in for Goldbraith was wrong. Um, I mean, you know, how many sort of chances do you do you get really? I, you know, I think I don't know what Richard's seen on that because we had Portsmouth in the midweek game that um, Aaron Dridden started, and I, there was certainly nothing that I saw in that game that warranted him starting over Goldbraith on um, who who looked good when he came on against Portsmouth. Um, so I didn't get that at all. I, I thought it, it disrupted the balance of the team slightly, um, it, and it just didn't work. I thought we we I thought the manager got it wrong first half. I mean. I wouldn't really say we sort of changed it around too much in a second. I, I thought we were lucky really to come back with the two goals. Um, horrendous mistake for the first goal, Solbrim, but he saved us on so many... Even before that, actually, he'd saved us on, with a, one or two saves. Um, you know, mistakes happen, I get that. So, Solbrim, the amount of times he saved us, we can't dig him out for that one mistake, I think. And, I, you know, he made some saves later on. But, yeah, I mean, three goals that weren't good to concede. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I thought really we we wouldn't we wouldn't have been worthy of a point in my opinion. I didn't think, even though I know we came close to equalising. Um, but whereas you know we played when we played Barnsley, they were good. They were better than Oxford. I thought Barnsley, and when we more than matched them, um, I, I don't think we. I didn't feel that we really came close to doing it. Well, maybe close-ish, but not close enough to Oxford. I thought Oxford were that much better than us. And but then again, even Oxford, I wasn't overly impressed with. You know, they just. They didn't. It felt like one of those games where they didn't have to do too much. I think. Um, so I, I was kind of disappointed. You know, I brought a, a neutral fan along for the ride as well, and that, you know, and I was. It's always the way because whenever he says to me when he's been in the past, he always says to me, "What's the player I should look out for?" And I remember years ago, it was I told him to look out for Shadrach Ogie, and he had an absolute stink of that game. And I'd literally said to him five, ten minutes earlier, Sol Brin's brilliant in goal. And he made that mistake for the goal. So I'm, I'm, A, I'm not going to invite him again. And B, if I ever change my mind and do, I'm, I'm just not going to answer that question. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, was, it was an off day for me, I felt, all round. I, I don't think anyone really stood out that much. Um, so yeah, I was disappointed. But Oxford are a good team. I think they'll be up there, if they, certainly if they get the right manager in. I mean, they, they may make it work with the guy they've got at the minute. But you can see they've got some, some very... I was very impressed with their front players, actually. Um, but you can see they've got some good players there. And I, and I thought actually their keeper looked pretty solid as well. So they've got a, a basis of a very good team. And certainly at the moment for me, them and Barnsley have been the two best teams I've seen. I think that um, we're just having maybe a little blip, blip in form at the moment. I just think that we look a little bit um, sticky on the pitch. We're not really moving around like we were at the beginning of the season. Um, there was a few games of statues in our penalty area at times to me, um, leading to all, for the goals. And some, and I think our midfield seem to have lost a little bit of their edge, and that isn't a criticism because they're a very, very young group, yeah. and it might well be that we've got the likes of um, 
other players to come in. We've got uh, Max Sanders to come in, haven't yeah. we? And we've got Prattley to come in if we need him to start to maybe give the, the younger guys a bit of a rest. I mean, we, we spoke about this on last week's show. Like Terry was talking about this. But, you know, in, in say Jordan Brown and then El Mizzouni and um, Goldbraith in front of him, we've had them for a, um, a month or so now. And they've, they've looked, the three of them together have looked really good. Um, and I think that's a very I know they're, they're all young but that's a, I think that's a very good League One midfield and you know the fact that we don't sort of um, you know it's just a, a bit I don't think we're we're not persevering with them and we changed it up a little bit I think it's a little bit strange really but I think you know what if we'd have stuck with them I think it would have been a lot better and the fact that we didn't do that I, I don't get why we changed that and you know that's the sort of thing that and I think one of the things for me as well is that I'm still not convinced that Richie actually knows what his best eleven is. And I don't think that helps a lot. I still get the feeling that he'd rather be playing 4-3-3. I know we, in fact, I think we might have. I know you said at the start there we had sort of a five in midfield, but I think we might have had a 4-3-3 actually on, on Saturday. Um, and I think that's what he'd rather play because the fact that we had, you know, Soteriu, Pigger and Drinan up front, you know, I, I, it's... I mean, I wasn't 100% sure what the formation was, to be honest, but... I think he likes to keep people guessing. I actually think he picks horses for courses. Um, and that's Richie's way. And I think that's something we, uh, uh, that, that, that trend's going to remain. Yeah. I think he likes to keep the opposition guessing as to what he's going to do. He thinks that plays to his advantage. Um, but there we are. So um, let's hear what Richie had to say with regards to the Oxford game. Um, he spoke to Dave Victor. After Thank the, you. After I've got uh, Richie Wellens uh, with us. And, uh, you know, it was a, a battling display, but a, a tough afternoon, wasn't it, Richie? Um, for the first 15 minutes, it was very reminiscent, very similar to the Portsmouth game at home, where we played really well in parts and... We went 1-0 down, obviously it's a mistake, so it's difficult, but then we can see just before half-time and then just before, just after half-time. So the first 50 minutes was, was very, very similar. The positives are where we just drifted against Portsmouth and, you know, we just didn't really affect the game. We felt sorry for, our, for ourselves. We, we looked like a team who lacked experience. We still lack experience, but we fought. We got the goal straight away back. We got another goal and... It was a bit frustrating. I'm proud of the players because they responded well at 3-0 down because they're a good team. But we just didn't stick to the game plan. And that's that's frustrating. You know, for the first 20 minutes, you, you probably might have recognised it. We didn't want to play today. We, got, we, we, we thought that they had certain weaknesses where we could just play forward, dominate them physically, um, land on second balls, play forward again, you know, and really, and really make it tough for them that way. Um, but... When we, when we had the patches of 10-15 minutes here now we look really good playing like that it's not how I want to play but you have to respect the opposition they're a good team and um, we just had moments where we decided okay we don't want to stick to the game plan we're going to pass backwards we're going to play short and we're going to play against a team that you know with that 3-4-3 with that bot it's quite difficult to play through the middle of them um, and we found ourselves 2-0 down from and they could have had a couple more but it was all our mistakes the only, the only danger, I'd, I'd never felt at any stage he was going to cut us open in the first half from counter-attacks to the threat. They've got pace, Harris is quick, Rodriguez is quick, um, and they've got players that can, Mills is quick. And when we turn the ball over, sometimes from in general play, and sometimes from set plays or long throws, you know, they got us on a counter-attack. We've got two midfield players on the edge of the box that 
when the ball is going in, in from TJ, their first thought is to get on the end of it to score. Well, it's not. It's to make sure that your zone is covered so you don't counter-attack. So, again, it's a little a little lack of experience. But um, you're playing against a team that are, you know, we've got a lot of experience in the team and a lot of players that have played a lot of games at the level. So, um, I was proud of the players, but we still, we, we've still got a lot of improvement in us. You got a yellow card. You were clearly frustrated. Yeah, amazing. Just about the number of minutes. Um, amazing. On. So, I asked him... Honestly, he's unbelievable. We've gone from having 15 minutes, right? So, five minutes has gone up. The five minutes are for the goal, subs, subs, goal, subs. Not one second, not one second has been added on. For any ball out of play, the goalkeeper who put it down, walk back, does this dramatic little... I know he's playing the game. We all know he's playing the game. Then his first four steps are 10 seconds, and then he got... Not one booking for him, and I'm not trying to get him booked. I'm just asking the, the fourth official to to realise what he's going to do. So, so not one second, not one second of added time, not one second apart from subs and goals. I find that if anybody's come to this game today, they must be thinking eight, nine, ten going to be put up here. Amazing that it's five, and then you question it, and you get booked. And it's so different to the you know the start of the season. Have managers been told that there's been a change in policy now? No, Howard Webb comes in, gives a massive speech about how the ball in play at League One, League Two level is, and the Championship is so far away from the Premier League and the World Cup. Well, no shit, Pedro. Yeah, The World Cup is played on a, in, a, in a beautiful stadium, in great conditions, Yeah, and the Premier League is played the majority of times against really, really top, top teams, against inferior teams. So the lower teams sit in a low block and the teams have 80% possession, whereas Championship, League One, League Two, in general, the teams are very, very well matched. We have the elements, like sometimes a pitch, you go into Barrow and you want the ball to be in play the same amount of time as what it is at Old Trafford or the, or the Emirates. So then it, you, you question and you go, listen, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. But it will, it will, it will. No, it won't. And then obviously the, the managers complain, so it's gone back to being normal. But we just want it to be... I don't think it should have been five. Five minutes for the subs and the goals. But then you have to add a, a, at least a couple more for the goalkeeper. Taking a lot of time. Thanks, Richard. I apologise for listeners to BBC Radio London, but uh, I appreciate your um, your passion. Honesty. No, All right, no, Sam. <laughs> and, uh, oh, sorry, he's... Yeah. Uh, can, and looking ahead... Um, I thought he was cutting off then. Well, yes, we oh. are, but it's, we're doubling up here, so I've just said goodbye to the listeners of BBC Radio London. But in terms of... Oh, was that live? live? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually it's not live, and, and he can edit it out, but... Hey, hope. I hope no one's listening to that impression. <laughs> I'm sure they won't. But can we look ahead, because there's an international break now, and then Lincoln. Yeah, I think that, as well, we can use this to our advantage because the likes of Jordan Brown at times looked a little bit leggy today. You know, and we've got a lot of young players that have been... You know, Jordan Brown does 12, 12.5k plus every single game, so we'll use it to our advantage. We've given the, the, the players four days off now, um, and then we'll have a block of Thursday, Friday, Saturday in terms of our preparation for Lincoln. We'll give them Sunday off, and then, obviously, match preparation for, for Monday, ready for Tuesday's game. So, I think it's... We've not had an international break where some of the other other teams have. I think it's probably come at the right time for us. It was a late decision, and I'd imagine for supporters, particularly those that need to book tickets, where, uh, train tickets, that must be so frustrating. With the Port Vale game, to, to it, call it off when they did. Yeah, I'm, I mean, listen, I think you have to give the supporters every opportunity one 
to book the tickets as early as possible to get at a cheaper price, but then obviously not to pay for the tickets and the, and the, and the, and the game get cancelled. But Dave, that is not my remit, mate. That's not my job. I, I think give us as soon as, soon as possible. Yeah. But it's international. We have to wait till the squads. So we have to wait till the English FA, the Welsh FA, yeah. whatever it may be. And Port Vale, will be say it's nothing to do with Port Vale. It's not their fault. We have to wait until the squads are announced, and then we obviously release the information. But there's so few games now being played in League One, and each no, of totally these internationals agree. should I they thought, just be called off? I, yeah, pr- probably. I think it, I think sometimes a little bit of a farce where you've only got one or two games in that league being played. So yeah, probably. But obviously, again, that's not my. That's not my remit. And finally for me, which he in the injuries today? Um, no, Theo was just struggling a little bit, but he managed to stay on, so he'll be fine. And then obviously we've just got Hunty and Max Sanders come back to the squad, so we'll use this break just to make sure that by the time that we play again at Lincoln, they're probably you know, as, as close to 100% fit as possible. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, well done. So that was a very interesting insight, as always, from Richie there with regards to the Oxford game. Uh, what, in, what was main interest to me was the fact that he said that we didn't really stick to his game plan and perhaps even more interesting he wanted to actually go a little bit more direct against Oxford he felt that that will play to our strengths more than maybe trying to play our passing game um, that's a quite an interesting uh, uh, way of approaching the game because normally he likes our, our passing and possession and our stats etc so I was quite interested to hear that um, I do agree that uh, the international break probably will do us a favour at the moment. We're looking a little bit tired. Um, We've got till uh, Tuesday uh, coming up, the Lincoln game. So we've got another six days until the next game. Hopefully we'll be rejuvenated and ready to go. Um, Our form isn't really as as what it was. Um, Ignoring the Mickey Mouse Cup, if we might. We've only lost two in ten, but we've actually had no wins in four. Um, But we do have two home games coming up. And I think at that point... I think it'd be a good time to then sit back and assess where we are at the end of November before we play Bristol Rovers will give us a good yardstick as to how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, those two home games will be crucial. I'm, look, I'm hoping that we're going to get maybe uh, three or four points out of those. Um, and we have only played seven at home, Richard, and nine away. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln on Tuesday, obviously the first game... On the pitch, we were 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go and, and we looked fairly comfortable, I think. you know, I, was, I think it was always probably going to end that way. Um, but they've had a change of manager since then as well, so it's going to be a very, very different game. I mean, I, I haven't been keeping an eye on their results, but I'm not sure how they're looking under this new manager. But in fact, actually, I think he's only just come in. The manager, the brand new manager has actually only just been announced, I think. So it's they've had a caretaker this time. So actually, it's even worse than I thought, actually, because they're going to have a brand new manager now. So... Uh, so yeah, I mean that's going to be frustrating. I mean, I, part of me wonders actually, had they have kept Mark Kennedy, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd have let us have a goal up to start with. Actually, let us walk it in and then carry on. But I can't see a new manager doing that, to be honest. But uh, I, I, that's optimistic. I, I, I would <laughs> well, like I, to have seen it, but I can't see that happening. Well, I just thought you know the way. Richard, Richard, well, I just Richard. thought the way the first one was, you know, because <laughs> the way happen. they acted on the whole thing, I thought they were quite sportsmanlike throughout the whole yeah. thing. And I, I just had this feeling. I thought, I wonder if they'll do something like that. And no. I don't know. I mean, no, you know, you're not in a million years. Yeah, I mean, but then obviously I, that's not going to happen now with a brand new manager. But he's, um, I think he's possibly come from like Leeds under 23s or something, this manager. But he's, he's got quite a reputation. Um, mm. And I think he might have managed abroad or something as we well. We did that, didn't like, we? We had an under 23 manager. Didn't last very long, did he? Was that Carl, no, well, he was the loan manager, wasn't he, or something? Carl Fletcher, you talking about? Or? 
Wow, I think it was. I thought he was doing the under twenty three. Oh, I, I thought he was the loans mm. manager, so he just watched players on loan for ball. Anyway, <laughs> I, I might be wrong, but but yeah, I mean, you know, that's the, the frustration then. And then in Wigan on Saturday, I mean, I think at the start of the season, I know they had points deducted, but they were they looked like at one point they were going to be flying. I know, obviously, they were They never really went too high because of their deduction, but um, certainly in the last six, seven, eight weeks, they've they've not picked up at all. I think so. That's um, another club with its problems, I think, like Reading. Yeah, but both both winnable games for me. Um, I don't think either of those two teams will be anywhere like an Oxford or a Barnsley. You know, you've got the fact that they've got this new manager on Tuesday. So, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for Richie to even know what to, how to approach Tuesday because, you know, with a new manager, they're not even going to have a clue how Lincoln are going to play, I suppose, now. So, yeah, winnable games. But, yeah, I'd like to think at least four points from those two. Following the Oxford game, um, just checking on the table, although we went up by a couple of places miraculously, <laughs> which was a bit weird, we are now only four points off the relegation places and perhaps a bit further away from the top. So it's a cause for concern, but um, I'm not necessarily too worried. I think, again, that these two home games will be a good yardstick for us. We do still have 16 home games to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm not relegation doesn't even enter my head, I've got to be honest. I, I think, from what I've seen, we won't... I don't think we'll be we'll be very clear of that older fall. I think we're unusual got, for me to yeah. be that optimistic, to be honest. But let's honestly think that way. We might need a little bit of impetus into the squad come January because we're I a bit stuck that, at the yeah. moment. Uh, attacking wise, I think we're we're struggling a little bit, and that's not necessarily the fault of anyone. With the loss of fantastic Jordan Graham and and Aggie's still um, not available yet, but hopefully come yeah, maybe mid to late maybe. December, he might become available. Um, so for the time being, um, we are probably going to be seeing Mr. Drinnen up front most oh, yeah. weeks. Well, mm. In fact, actually this morning, for the first ever time I can remember, we were on the, the BBC gossip column this morning linked with a, um, a Tottenham striker, a young player that I hadn't heard of. Well, it said us and Charlton, so I mm. probably know which way that's going to go in fairness. So, But um, but yeah, we were actually linked with a Tottenham striker. I can't remember the name now, I'd have to look it up. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, these are just, it was on Team Talk or one of the gossips in the newspapers. But yeah, I mean, it's unusual to see us on there. So whether it's true or not, but we're, I guess we're looking in that area. That seems to be the area that we, we all know that we're struggling in and everyone will know that we're struggling in the management. So, so yeah, I, I agree. I think that's certainly come January. I mean, Dan, Aggie, AJ, sorry, I forgot how he, Aggie, yeah, he told us to pronounce it last week. Yeah, Dan Aggie. So, you know, going to be like a new signing himself. I think the only issue there, sadly, is his, his fitness is not going to be there at all. So it's not even like he's been fit and not playing. It's he's just you know he's only just started training now. So we've only got first team games to play now. Exactly. We, yeah, we right. were um, kicked out of the uh, London Senior Cup <laughs> yeah. last night at Barking, mm. although we played very much a a, a young side. Um, we're not in the uh, the Mickey Mouse Cup anymore. Uh, we're out of the League Cup, so we, we have Chesterfield coming up in the FA Cup. But other than that, it's all league going ahead. Mm. Um, so let's hope that we can turn our form around before January. On that note, Grant, because you're, you're, refer you're a referee, etc. But is it possible for you know eight or ten clubs to get together and form their own like midweek reserves or um, sort of little league well, that they could play? We're saying something similar to this now. I mean, is it an expense thing or can you just like I said that you know can. Can you just have play at like people's reserve, uh, training grounds well, and I mean, things like this? Because you, know, you say Spurs, we, we used to play the reserves, but it would be like their thirds, if yeah. you like. And uh, you know, but you've got obviously Southend, Dagnum, Barnet. I mean, and, I don't think about eleven players. Well, I mean, yeah, but I'm saying, them. you know, you've got the clubs around, you know, yeah. um, that could put out an eleven, and they, they all have the same problem as us. Their players 
are not anywhere near match fit. And when do they play? How do they get them match fit? The, the, the clubs do <laughs> get know? together and they do arrange... Um, Closed know, doors closed matches, doors but I mean, matches. if you knew that at the start of the season you were going to have, let's just say, 20 matches midweek, they're all, they're all down, you're going to be playing this one away, this one at home, whatever, um, or at the training ground or whatever it is. But it's like a, a little mini league that they just set, there's a bit of competition there, if you yeah, like. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be that's you know? the same, like, you know, you can play the same people, <clears throat> same team every few weeks, because it's all about the fitness, isn't it? You know, it's not about anything else. Mm. So that, you know, we, we were just sort of discussing something similar off air, because... I mean, it's not. We can't have just thought of this, right? There must be people have discussed this, and there's there's obviously a reason. Whether it's hmm. you know the extra expense for travel or, or what it would cost to do well, something it like is, that. It is, it is now played in the afternoons. Yeah, isn't there can't I mean, any reason why um, why not. The club um, have considered entering uh, under twenty three team and going into under twenty three competitions, but to date it hasn't happened. Hmm. And when you when you're in those, you are then allowed to play some what they call overage players. So maybe that's something that might might come through, but. At the moment, I think it's just a case that every club's got its different circumstances with injuries, etc., and what competitions they're in. So really to try and arrange the games well in advance is probably a bit of a challenge. Um, but it may well be that we'll see on the Twitter that they've played a behind-closed-doors game, maybe even over the weekend or before next Tuesday. It just depends on how, the, how Richie and his, and his um, staff feel the squad are doing and whether they need the sharpness. Um, so anyway, we've got these two home games coming up. Our, our form at home is we've played seven, won three, drawn three and lost three. Uh, we scored eight and let in 12 with a points per game ratio of just under one and a half. So if you think about the fact that we have 16 games to go at home, if we're anywhere near that points per game going forward, we're going to be well and truly OK. Um, away form isn't too bad either. We've only won two, but we've drawn four and lost three away. Scored eight and let in nine uh, with a points per game of just over a point each, which is which is decent. And again, if we carried on in that vein to the rest of the season, I can imagine us ending up with somewhere around about 60 points, which would be a mm. nice, tidy sum. But obviously, things don't work by stats. It's what we do game to game that's going to count. Makes you wonder where they'd be if they had a forward who could score. That's, that's the frustration, I think, is... We no. do have a forward that can score. We've got Royal, although he does miss, yeah, he does score. Yeah, I mean, but I'm talking about another forward Consistently, that Consistently, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that's the frustration, as we keep saying, that, you know, there isn't any, you know, Richie said it himself, there's no one really that stood out this season. And, you know, I think, I don't even think we'd have to be that good to, to, to do okay. I mean, you know, look at Stevenage as an example. I mean, they're clearly punching well above where they should. But, I mean, no, they have, for this level, as much as I don't like him, they've got a good manager. But, and they, they did recruit well, I think, as well. But, you know, they're very, you know, I look at a lot of their goals when I watch it and they're all from, you know, set pieces. This Cole Piergiani he seems to get on everything in the box, as we found out when we played them. And, you know, it seems to be very, you know, they've got one main score up front. It's, is it Jamie Reid that's scoring a lot of goals for them? And, you know, obviously the other players are chipping in, but it doesn't seem like you've got to be that good a team to do. I mean, I say, I know I've mentioned Barnsley and Oxford, I think are good teams, but, but Portsmouth weren't that great. I didn't think both times I've seen them now. Um, we are an emerging team, though, yeah. and I would still rather be Orient than Stevenage because I think Stevenage are more or less peaked with what they have, whereas I think we're a project and I think we're an improving project. And yeah, I think we are, but then we've got a lot of loan players in that as well, which 
kind yeah. of makes me think that you know we are, we're we're an improving project, but a lot of those players will go at the end of the season because they're not ours. Or there'll be know, others to come in. Yeah, I mean, in Richie, we trust. Yeah. It's still uh, Wallace, isn't it? The the chairman there, isn't it? Phil Steve Wallace. Is, yeah. yeah, and I mean, you remember when he came into Orient? He took. Uh, he sent me a letter once that said Phil Wallace, Chairman Leighton Orient, which which well, he wasn't. He was asking for commercial ideas at the time, and at that this time, this is before Barry. Hurt. This is before, before Barry Hearn. At that time, Grant, the club didn't even take debit or credit cards. You know, you had to pay cash on the dot off everything, and it was we were miles adrift. You know, it was dark ages, um, but he wanted to take the players on to two hundred and fifty pound a week maximum wage, and uh, you know that would have seen us out the league I think in no time at all and um, so I, I'm so glad he looked at the books a second time and decided not to um, not to pursue it uh, after his uh, due diligence and obviously then Barry came in but uh, Wallace has obviously either really been mega successful well, since then I mean yeah. he, he was a frozen food guy that's all we knew about him but um, he's well, obviously the rumour was last season that Stevenage had blown the reason they were up there was they blew a lot of this season's budget to, to push for last season but mm. How true that is, because they've recruited well again. Apparently that was true. It was a huge gamble, yeah. but it paid off. But, yeah, and I say they've, they've still got good players in this year as well, which surprised me, because that's why I thought they'd struggle this season, was that they'd have to stick with what they had last season, not bring in so many, but clearly... People you know, were willing to play at that level, so it sort of benefited them getting yeah. the promotion. Um, so we've got Lincoln coming up next. Uh, we'll hear from Dave Victor with his views with regards to the Oxford game and things coming up ahead. Once again, the BBC Radio London Sports Show came from Brisbane Road on Saturday and again I felt proud of our club. The organisation and dignity of the Remembrance Activities magnificent and my thanks and respect to everyone involved. The show started in Coronation Gardens with an interview with Steve Jenkins and it was wonderful to see his pride as he shared that hearts have chosen to celebrate their 150th year anniversary with a match against Leighton Orient. It'll be played at Tynecastle in July next year. Those three brave Clapton Orient players, Richard McFadden, William Jonas and George Scott, were celebrated in a magnificent new banner that graced the Brisbane Road pitch. Their story would not have been known without Steve's research and his book, They Took the Lead. After the game, the CEO of the Leighton Orient Trust, Neil Taylor, joined Phil Parry to explain the wide range of activities that the club had undertaken during the EFL's week of action. These included players going into schools, explaining the showing races in the red card. There were mental health activities, as well as helping someone whose allotment had fallen uh, into disrepair following a bereavement. Presenter Phil and producer Lucy also saw an exciting game, and they almost witnessed an astonishing comeback. But they also saw three defensive errors, which presented an Oxford United side who, despite the change of manager, remained one of the better teams in the division. They had a commanding lead. It was Leighton Orient's first league defeat in six, only the second in ten, but it's now four without a win. The O's have an opportunity to put that right on Tuesday when Lincoln returned to E10. There's been plenty of changes for the Imps since that dreadful September night. Former Leeds under-21 coach Michael Scubella took charge on Tuesday. His first match will be at the weekend at Stevenage. Whatever your views on the rights and wrongs of the decision to replay the game, one thing is for sure. It'll be an emotional night and a very difficult one for Derek Reynolds' family and friends. They'll be in our thoughts. 
Thank you very much, uh, Dulcet Day, for your views. Um, we always remain proud of the work that the club does in the community. Um, Latin Orient is a community club, and hopefully it'll always remain that way. However, our fan base is increasing, a home and away. 8,000-odd at home, Richard, and maybe 1,000 at Burton or so when I was there. Um, it makes you very proud, and we seem to have a new generation of fan coming through. Those league games, I, funnily enough, I took a look at the programme actually at the weekend. We've not dropped below 8,000 on a league home game this season. And, you know, I've never known it. You know, I've been going 35, 36 years and I've never, ever known it as it is at the they moment. They are seats sold, aren't they? But well, I know, yeah, sorry, they do it slightly different now. But, but even when you look at the crowd, I mean, I can see, obviously, you're in the east stand, right? You're Usually in the south now. Oh, okay, so well, obviously I'm, I'm in the west, so I can I look opposite, and there are gaps you can see in the east, but the south stands pretty full. There's a few little gaps uh, on the north, but other than that, I mean, I think I've seen pictures of the west stand when we're all sitting there, and there doesn't appear to be that many there. So I know it isn't, you know, that many, you know, I'll probably over that, but you know, again, they're announcing games a lot last season and this season where they're sold out already, and the hospitality sold out and. I mean, long may it continue. You can see now why they're mentioning on, you know, Nigel Travis and Mark Devlin when they're doing YouTube interviews or whatever, they're saying about the need possibly to, to if we do go up, we, we'll need to have a new stadium. A new Absolutely. Stadium. But there's a, there's a good 7,000 going through the gate, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And the revenues that I would also create with regards to not only the ticket sales, but things being bought within the ground. So yeah. um, it's a great trend. The other thing I've noticed as well is that Latin Orient's fan base has always been known to be more of like the pensioner um, yeah. towards the back end of people's lifetimes. But I've also noticed a trend now. We're getting a few more younger supporters. Yeah, I've seen quite a lot of people mentioning um, recently, actually, about the, the drummer in the South Stand, I think it is, isn't it? Or does, is it in it away games he go, as well? He goes to nearly every game. Yeah, and I've, I've heard the, the fans mention, uh, the players and Richie went, mentioned it as well, how much of a difference it makes. Um, I don't know if Darren's son's involved in that, but he's involved in a lot of the stuff with the youngsters as well. And, you know, there's a fella who sits near me and his boy's in the South Stand and he's he's with a lot of his mates over there. So, I mean, to be honest, when I when I first started coming in the mid-90s, it was because of Barry Hearn's £10 season ticket offer. And I think we, we picked up. I mean, that was my, you know, I, started, I was coming 10 years before that, but that was my first season ticket. But I think that was a we attracted a lot of new fans on the back of that um deal the amount of people you talk to say you know oh yeah I, you know i had a season ticket i know it was when it was a tenor and stuff like that but i used to go and a lot of them have carried it on and come back over the occasion so i mean i don't really know what it is that's whether it's just literally like the richie wellens effect or something that's bought these these people in that the younger players the younger fans sorry to maybe it means more to them or something i'm sure they've they've been there long before that but um, but yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, I don't, as far as I'm aware, we're not doing any sort of deals like, you know, giveaways like that, but whatever we're Demographics, doing. Demographics um, changing, Rich, as well. Though. Yeah, that's what I mean, whether it's just in, the, the football we're doing now and whether it's just I think under the Richie success, Wellens. the success we've yeah. had is a major factor. Yeah, exactly. People so. want to come and watch a successful team. They want to feel that they're part of a successful side. If they're not doing very well and they're sort of bottom end of Division 4, as we used to call it, as we yeah. were, you know, perennial failures every season. That's why we only had the two and three thousands, because it wasn't really an attractive proposition. Yeah. But I, now... I think the good thing now is that, that these, we've been good enough for a couple of years, I think these guys would be hooked now as well. So I don't think we'd lose them either, which is, 
you know, I feel right. sorry for them. Yeah, well, you're right, really, because what you say, it has always been an ageing fan base, really, and it's quite refreshing, I suppose, now to, to have these younger people there. I mean, there's not that many where I sit, if I'm honest, but if you're in the South, I, I would imagine it's a lot more like that where you it are. It is, and the atmosphere in there is vibrant, and they bounce off the away attendance. Like the old West Stand when I was in it, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what that used to be. Do you be. think it's like the, the, the area, though, it's is, is like an on cycle, isn't it? When, you know, back, going back 40 years or so, it started to go downhill. The, the people who used to live near the ground to walk to the ground either died or moved away different people moved in who weren't necessarily associated to football or didn't like football now all of a sudden the area's been built up you know people are moving back in people with an interest in football and so you've got this new clientele if you like in their thousands moving in and they can't get into West Ham or Tottenham it's full up you know I mean it really is full up that's definitely a factor and I think you know. people again pricing has, has made a played a part in it because there's a lot of money to go and watch premiership yeah. football now and um, some of my friends are the Arsenal fans, West Ham fans, and they take their children over to the Orient now because they know they can they can do a game. Obviously, we have the and it's real pricing now for different games. But it's real football. It's real football. It's that's real football. That's, that's, that's a decent standard. Because yeah. I mean, it's not it's not cheap to go to Orient. Really, I mean, you know, maybe compared to a Premiership game, but it's still probably fairly yeah. good whack to go to an Orient game. But but I think the real football thing is right, actually, because, you know, I've, this season I've taken over a couple of Arsenal fans, a couple of West Ham fans, and, and that's the one thing they all say to me is, you know, when we're, I know we're in the kind of the gallery, but, you know, we've met Kent Teague in there, we've had, like, people come up to us in the supporters club, players and stuff, and, and then two of them at least have said to me, you would never get this, like, I've never, no. I've been going to Arsenal for 30 years, I've never even met a player anywhere or seen someone on the tube. You know, I remember last season, back in the last season, getting a tube with Craig Clare, and I pointed out to him, hey, that he's one of our best players when he was on the tube on the way to the game, and he, he didn't believe me. It was only because he said his, uh, yeah. his Orient kit on, or his uh, tracksuit that he realised. But he's, I mean, that's Kent. I mean, Kent knows how to work a room, and he, yeah. he, he you know, he, he will make that person feel, you know, got his attention, and he, he's interested in them, and they move around, and everyone feels part of it. I mean, generally, he's a very talkative guy anyway. Uh, but he and his, his you know, other directors know how to work a room and make people feel part of the experience, and that's it's all paying is paying off. And as you say, your your friends will tell other people, "Blimey, you know, blah blah blah," and it's an experience they won't get at Arsenal. They, I mean, okay, the football will be better at Arsenal, but you're going to pay more to watch it. It's very impersonal. You're number thirty eight thousand, whatever, through the turnstile, and um, at Orient, you are somebody. Yeah, and that's even like what a good job like the supporters club do as well because I've always going there after the game and you know the, the welcome you kind of get and the people you're speaking to I think that's something that you don't get at, you know they don't really have those sort of bars unless you're paying £2,000 a season or whatever in premiership you know you, you'll have to go to a pub somewhere and even then there's so many pubs so people are, do feel connected with the club and as you say new people come in they really do feel that their, their uh, custom is valued and that they are, they have a, d a direct connection with the players and the staff, etc. If they want it, if they have the time, um, we've got Lincoln coming up. The club are doing tickets for ten quid each, just in case anyone wasn't aware of that. Season ticket holders can still use their season tickets, um, which is, I think, is the, the club have got to cover the cost. Uh, of, of putting on the game so I think a £10 each I think is a fair pricing I, I have a feeling are they donating money to the Justin Edinburgh Foundation I'm not sure about any that. profits yeah profits right okay yeah, yeah well, so otherwise people, they'd be in trouble wouldn't they yeah well because <laughs> people obviously paid for their tickets for the first mm. game so I think anything on top of the, what they got for the first game yeah goes to the Justin Edinburgh Foundation I think which yeah. is fair enough yeah. anyway we'll see how we, let's hope that we have a big crowd against Lincoln 
Um, so we're almost a third of the way through this roundabout, just over a third of the way through the season. Um, so let's hear from Matt Roper with regards to his um, half-term report. It's another international break. Seriously, how many of these do we want or need for that matter? But being a third of the way through the season, it's a perfect time to give my half-term report. Portsmouth, top of the shot, turned us over in the league and the thingy with Bob Cup, and finally looking to fulfil their billing as one of the bookies' pre-season favourites. They look strong in most departments and are conceding less than a goal a game. Surely going to be top six. Oxford, we ran them quite close without playing brilliantly. Good going forward and now established at this level. Big question, how do they handle the recent loss of their manager? But so far, it's an A-plus from me. Bolton, seen as one of the big hitters after a few years of turmoil and are right in the mix. Some reports make them electric on their day and some make them rather average. Can't see them outside that top six, though. Doing well. Peterborough, always going to be in the mix. Bit of an indifferent start, probably the old playoff hangover, to be fair. And are now bubbling along nicely. A solid B-plus from the men from London Road in these quarters. Stevenage. I mean, really? We've said it before and we'll say it again. Love him or loathe him, and most of us loathe him, but Bloomin' Evans is getting results. I don't expect him to stay the course, but they're already well on their road to certain survival, and that had to be the aim at the start of the campaign. It pains me, but it's an A star. Barnsley. In and amongst the playoffs and top two so far and look strong without being mentioned too much. The teacher says they can do better and still predicted to shine come the end of the season. My dark horse from the top eight. Derby. Can seventh place be called a flop? Yes and no. Depending on which club you support. It is, of course, where you finish after 46 games. But an FA Cup exit last night and a stuttering start, despite being favourites, is not the perfect storm some have predicted. Time to improve, though. Blackpool, doing OK. Just outside the playoffs is likely where most seasiders thought they'd be. And it's a solid B-plus that goes on their report card. Lincoln. You just know what's coming next Tuesday, don't you? And that win for the Imps could see them right on the fringe of sixth place. The manager game was a strange one, as they were doing reasonably well. And like Blackpool, it would be hard to believe that any Lincoln fan isn't reasonably pleased with their start. Bristol Rovers, always hard to know how to assess this lot. Still playing in that dodgy old rugby ground, a good fan base and always capable at such a level to push the top ten. For me, it's a reasonably solid start, and their exam result is around about the 60-65% mark. Charlton, up and down like Tower Bridge. One week looking great, the next week the locals are scratching their heads. It's another big season here under yet more new ownership. But Appleton seems to have established a reasonably even kill, and it's likely the next two-thirds of the season will either be abject failure or one to write home about. Wickham, middle, that's where you'd expect them. What else can you say? Nothing. Sorry, Wickham fans. Burton started appallingly and have picked up. The game against us wouldn't live long in the memory of either sets of fans. And bearing in mind their structure and size, the Burton army are likely more than happy with an improving B- minus on their scorecard. Cambridge. Predicted to struggle, fired themselves to the top, got turned over by us and now sit mid-table. A right old mixed bag for the men from the Abbey Stadium. Steady the ship in that mid-eighth berth, surely now the plan. 
doing just about okay. Shrewsbury, ditto Wickham. Sorry, Shrews fans. Port Vale, been a League One club since about 1923 and no doubt possessed the ability to push the upper echelons of this level in terms of stature, but never really seemed to get out of second gear. Doing the minimum, but must try harder. Wigan, when I wrote they would be in 19th place on Facebook at the start of the season, I received a barrage of abuse from Wigan fans. Long way to go, but I'm having the last laugh in inverted commas at the moment. Takeover has happened and watch us fly was the generic response. Well, I can't see much flying here and they've actually failed to get off the ground. Surely now just got to be a case of further steadying the ship and launch a stinging attack next school year. Northampton, like Stevenage, another fall in our side who are holding their own just above the dreaded top four. That's likely where they saw themselves. So it's a C, C plus from me. Exeter surely predicted to do a little better at least. Went top, but we spoiled it and almost since then have struggled to get any sort of consistent form together. Still seem to be surviving, but it'll be a bottom mid, it'll be a bottom middle eighth berth for this lot. Fleetwood, survival is the key at the moment and they are failing by the skin of their teeth. They are scoring more than others and not letting too many in against close rivals. So it's key they win a few games, certainly in tight ones. It's going to be a close season to trapdoor misery, though. Carlisle, Paul Simpson has gone, that's football for you. And Carlisle are finding life tough at this high level. Never predicted to put up any trees and their home form, which was much better last year, is probably letting them down. Got to pull their socks up, but a below average D minus for effort and attainment is the harsh reality. Cheltenham didn't score for God knows how long and unfortunately equaled a rather unwanted EFL record. The sale of Alfie made to Charlton look at me something that's really going to hurt and still will. Got to score to win games and even when fighting down the bottom, draws aren't always enough. I'm afraid it's League Two for you guys. Reading, an absolute car crash. Once again, we see the off-field problems having a massive effect on the on-field situation, and you have to feel for another club's fans going through the ringer. A year with no away wins, bottom of the table, no sign of a sale, and a possible further points deduction means you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to work out where this one is going. League One Roundup. Thank you very much, Matt, for your half-term report. You may have noticed that um, 22 of the teams were mentioned, but there was one that he didn't. Orient, of course. Richards, uh, how do you feel we've done up till this point, just over a third of the way through the season? Um, Better than I probably thought, especially when I saw the fixtures come out. Um, I think we've settled in very comfortably. Um, I think we look a good League One team when, when when we... you know, on those occasions when we're looking good, I think we look like a very established, comfortable League One team. I've, I suppose the, the the only real frustration comes from the fact that, as I say, like we haven't, I haven't seen anyone that's overly impressed me. Maybe two teams have been, you know, Barnsley and Oxford have looked good, but other than that, like we've more than matched most teams, I'd say. And I think there's a bit of frustration that creeps in now, and I think Richie probably thinks along the same lines as well. Um, you know, we've got issues, uh, certainly up front, I think is the main one which everyone knows about. Um, when we get a- AJ, so I've forgotten again, Dan AJ, Aggie, back on the January, December, January. Hopefully that can make a difference. Um, if not, I do think that we need to do something in January. Because 
you know, rules. I think he's looking good, but I know there's a lot of people sitting near me who still think he's, you know, not do, not performing, not doing. I, I don't know really. I mean, he can go missing in games, but I don't really know what else he has to do. He's got seven, eight goals now. His um, goals per game is, uh, is decent. He, he yeah, he, and he's not even an out. He's not an out and out striker either. This is the thing. So that's why he, I think it's more impressive as well. So he's the most natural goal scorer. Yeah, we've got in the team. Yeah, he does miss, but also he can do the spectacular, like the goal on Saturday was yeah, very yeah, well taken. Yeah, it was taken. a very good goal actually. Yeah, and you know I think Piggott's coming into form now, uh, coming into fitness now, and I think you can see there's a, there's a bit of he's a good league one player I think he's not going to be 20 goals a season I know he has got goals at this level before but he strikes me as a kind of 10 to 12 goals a season striker um, and I have to be honest I'm doing and I, I, I just not I'm just not seeing it I know he's got to play games but I, I don't think as a striker it's working I think the best we can get out of him is as it was under Jacket or when Richie first came in and he played out on that that right of a three and he's he does put a good cross in I think so potentially I think there's room for him to come in there but but yeah, I mean, we're certainly probably above where I thought. Maybe not in the league places where we'd be, but I think the way we've looked um, for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a solid kind of C, C plus for me. I think I'd probably be a bit more generous than that, taking into account that we also at the beginning of the season, which is now fading a little bit into memory, we had a lot of injuries and illness at the beginning of the season with some very tough opening fixtures. So basically, our season never really started until sort of game four. So taking into account the amount of points we picked up since then. Um, I think the squad have got to take quite a lot of credit. Um, again, unfortunately now with the loss of the fantastic Jordan Graham um, and Aji still not being available yet, we are stuck really probably with Piggott, Drinnen and Saturio starting most games. I don't think that Richie trusts Shaq Ford to play 90 minutes. He's looking at him quite rightly as a more of an impact sub. So those are the, really the four forwards that we have. So we really now have to pray that we don't pick up another injury before the transfer window um, opens again in January because otherwise we really could be looking a little bit threadbare. Um, so I'd, I'd give us a B from from where, from the start of the season until now and I hope that we can continue in, and as I say, I think we're a project. I think we're a work in progress and I think sometimes the results don't always show the improvement that we're making and I think the players know how, how to play in League One has improved. Um, even though sometimes the results in over the last few weeks haven't quite been what we would hope, but that's sometimes I think due to a bit of tiredness, etc. So um, I think these are exciting times um, at the club, and let's hope that come the next two home games we're going to pick up some points, and um, we'll be, we'll push up to maybe up in just outside the playoffs. Uh, we've got Bristol Rovers after the two home games, which will be a tough test away yeah. on a Tuesday night. And then following that, um, I'd like to mention that we are in the second round of the FA Cup for the first time in, in Lord knows, I can't remember the last time we did. Um, and I'm quite excited about the pro- prospect of going to Chesterfield, albeit that they've moved it to a Sunday rather than a Saturday. We're not live on TV. I, have, I understand that that's because Alfreton, who mm. are a club local, are playing Warsaw the day before. Police, and I think it might well be there'd be a bit of a Barney with the Chesterfield and Alfreton fans. I think the police on. couldn't do both. They weren't too keen on policing both games. Oh, on police uh, advice, then. Yeah. The, the trains yeah. are going to be difficult, but the club, <clears> the supporters' club, our fantastic sports club, are going to be laying on uh, coaches at £30 each. So, um, you know, try and get up there and support the team if you can, because it'll be fantastic to get through that tie and get to the third round. Don't you think, Richard? I mean, it's funny, really. I mean, it would be great. Yeah, it's strange when you think they're a non-league team and a lot of people are 
are concerned about. I mean, it couldn't have been a worse non-league team, to be honest, for in our sense that it's a tough game. how good they are. But, you know, we're two divisions above. It's, you know, we need to step up and show it. So um, I think we can, we'll get at least a draw there, I think. I fancy us to get a replay there and bring them back to Brisbane Road where we'll, we'll turn them over. And by that time, with a drawn Spurs away in the third <laughs> round. We've got a draw That's like the that crystal ball, is that? Is it the crystal ball? We deserve ball? the Spurs we'll tie. If we get a tie like that, then I'll know uh, we'll lose the replay because as soon as we get a plum tie, we've got a replay. This is the new Orient, see. Richard. Be confident. I'm yeah. not going to get it out of my Rich. mind. It's my I remember going to Chesterfield before in the, in the match where Dean Cox scored in the last minute and, and won it for us. And I think uh, we won 3-2. And uh, when we went into the ground, we, uh, we, were, we visited friends of ours who were season ticket holders at Chesterfield and they, they went to obviously the other side of the ground and he said oh uh, Tommy Tommy Lee's in goal he said for us we call him Tommy three because every time he plays he lets in three goals and I came out the ground he went told you didn't I he said Tommy three <laughs> and uh, yeah I'll be looking forward to seeing what sort of friendly welcome we get from the locals as well because that's been quite interesting from time to time when we've gone up to Chesterfield so let's hope they're mm. perhaps a bit more yeah, friendly than they used to be Danny Webb there as well with all in connections yeah so. that's that that's good um so it should be a good game. And as I say, we are on the, the anniversary of, I think it's 31 years since the famous Dagenham 4 Lane <sighs> 5 match. Yeah. <laughs> what a game that was. Yeah, I mean, I was 12 years old when I went to that game. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I remember standing in the corner flag. I remember being 3-1 down and my, turning around, looking at my dad and he just shrugged his shoulders and shook his head. I think was that the cool. second round? It was the second round, yeah. yeah. Round and who did we go on to play in the third? Oh, Do you remember? No. I don't. <laughs> was it, what year was that? 92. Oh, God. No, I did, no we didn't. 92? No, yeah. I did. It, was it wasn't yeah. Oldham. Was, it, was, it, was it, it Oldham? Yeah. It might well no, have been. No, I think that was the year before. That was, was the that? year before. All oh, right. So this okay. was the independent transport kit. Which is oh, like, God. Uh, my memory's shot. Yeah, I mean, it was one of Simon Livett's few great games for us. Yeah. I remember 3 1 down. I thought, guess get me out of here. Yeah, it was awful. That was a real proper cup game when the FA Cup used to mean a little bit. And our own Terry Howard scoring our first goal in that as well. Anyway, let's look forward to Chesterfield. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. And up the O's. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from each end Lay an Orion from each end this is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 The clans in Oregon and so begun The old story and on it runs We're late and Orion from each end Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We'll lay an Orient from each end Lay an Orient from each end This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud 
We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around So you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest Whatever challenge, whatever test We're like an Orion from Eaton Like an Orion from Eaton Like an Orion On the hour, across Brentwood and Billericay This is Phoenix FM News.